When I say can you dig it, put your two hands up like that. What is up, everyone? We are back with another episode of Can You Dig It, a podcast by Silver Screen and Roll and SB Nation Lakers community. You can find our work over on silverscreenandroll.com, or you can follow us over on social at Lakers SBN. Uh, uh, we have a lot to talk about on the show today, uh, even in spite of the Lakers not playing their best basketball. But before we do that, I wanted to take a moment to congratulate my co-host grant goldberg on his new position at bleacher report grant it's been a long time coming bud uh and i know i speak for you know almost everyone in the lakers community when i say like congratulations man thank you i am celebrating by getting stressed out about finding an apartment to live in (laughs) yeah that's uh that sounds like serious adulting stuff i mean you're only younger than me by a few months and i couldn't i couldn't imagine doing any of this at your age so my hat's off to you how how is the apartment hunting coming so far terribly if you guys have any leads or any sort of ideas feel free to hit me up on twitter with any of them it would be greatly appreciated but no seriously i I thank you for uh all the kind words and uh it really means a lot all the support that i've received over the last few days and uh, i know that you know the lakers community is is so strong and and really you know treats everyone as their own so really really touched by everybody that's come out and, and congratulated me and and supported me so what are you what are you doing over there because i i know they didn't bring you on just to make memes you I mean they have to they have to be having you doing something else uh, I'm their new ghost writer. Um, no, for their <laughs> tweets, but uh, I'll I'll be uh, I'll be behind the tweets, the posts. Uh, so it'll it'll still have a little bit of my touch, but mostly uh, it's going to be Bleacher Report Sports. I couldn't be more excited. Absolutely, and dude, we're all excited for you. Um, how how long were you looking for this type of employment? Because you started doing this what like three years ago yeah uh a little bit let's see a a few months into the year in like 2016 yeah so about three years ago uh first of all thank you for this interview uh second (laughs) i uh yeah i've been looking for a while now it's been a a really tough tough process lots of rejection emails how how many um, yeah how many? Yeah. All right. Um, I mean, at least twenty. I, I mean, hell yeah, bud. There's been a lot. Yeah. I've I've heard no a lot, <laughs> but all it takes <laughs> is one yes, I guess. And that's been the Lakers' uh, mo for the past decade. All it takes is one to say yes, and they got LeBron. Bleacher Report got their LeBron. Uh, once again, congratulations, man. Uh, but it does mean that I I don't have you for much longer, and that that's what hurts a little bit. I I can get over it though. I I can find another. Uh, what are you like five foot eight, five foot nine, uh, guy in his mid twenties? It'll it'll be all right. I'll I'll survive. Look, 
no one's gonna shoot threes at a volume that I am going to, but you know, there's there's a lot of five foot eight white guys looking to record a podcast out there. I can tell you that as fact. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, again, congratulations. Uh, I'd talk about this all day if I could, but we actually, uh, we have Lakers things to talk about. And truthfully, Grant, the reason I started with that, the reason I started with your good news, uh, is because the Lakers don't have a ton of good news. So I wanted to start the show off on a good foot. Um, now I'm going to take us down into the deepest, darkest hole I think we've been in all throughout the season. And I'm not talking about the Lakers being, seven games back of the eighth seed in the Western Conference or them being five games below a 500 record. I'm talking about what Ramona Shelburne of ESPN reported on Mason and Ireland today. Uh, And it might not come as a surprise what she reported, but it is like befuddling to hear out loud. So I'm going to read this transcript for you and I will warn everybody it's not suitable for the workplace. Um, uh, Ramona says in regards to Brooke, the Lakers letting Brooke Lopez walk this summer, quote, they let Brooke Lopez go. The idea being they chose Michael Beasley over him already not not off to a great start. That's just the first sentence Oof. we're at right now. Uh, she continues by saying, which to me is fairly unforgivable because they had already lost Julius Randle. And they felt Beasley had a similar skill set to a small ball five as Julius Randle did last year when he was a small ball five with the second unit and sometimes with the first. So they felt like Beasley's skill set would replace that. So to recap everything, because it was a lot. It's a lot to unpack. To recap, the Lakers did not sign, re-sign Brooke Lopez because they like they liked Michael Beasley, who they saw as a replacement to Julius Randle. A totally what? normal NBA thing to do. <laughs> like what? Well, I, I'd like to know who in the front office said that out loud. Like somebody had to have repeated that to Magic Johnson or Rob Palenka saying like, you know, listen, I like my job, but I'm going to go ahead and ask you to say that out loud and see if you still like it as much as you did. And they did. Um, and for those keeping track, Michael Beasley doesn't play for the Lakers anymore. He plays in China, uh, and they traded him in a salary dump with their only starting center for Mike Muscala, who was shooting close to 23% from the three-point line uh, this season. And they traded for Muscala because they needed a poor man's version of Brooke Lopez, who, if you needed a reminder, signed a, a contract for the veterans minimum in Milwaukee and is playing very, very well. Look, I'm not even going to repeat that. I don't want to say that out loud. And I don't even have a job with the Lakers. Now, there's only one answer to who might have said that out loud. Who might have even thought of that? And it's I cannot think of anybody else within the Lakers organization uh, other than Kurt Rambis who would say that. And not to give anybody a whole bunch of credit, for you know how they've done their jobs over the last you know couple of years, but uh, ten out of ten times it's Kurt Rambis saying that it, it's a really bad idea, and I think the optics are worse, like on the whole situation because not too long ago, if you can recall, the Lakers traded D'Angelo Russell and Timothy Mozgov's ginormous contract for Brook Lopez, and you know. 
the argument behind that trade is, you know, they got out of D'Angelo Russell, who had behavioral problems with the team and caused, you know, chemistry issues in the locker room. Uh, he was in blah, blah, blah. I, I just sound like Byron Scott rambling on right now. But the, the point being, they got a first round pick and Brooke Lopez out of that deal. That first round pick ended up being um, Kyle Kuzma. Is that correct? Yes, yeah. I, I think it's Kyle uh, but, Kuzma. I mean, yeah. they, they could have gotten Kuzma right. either way, but... Right, and so, I mean, realistically, that pick allowed them to trade the other pick, which got them Josh Hart and Thomas Bryant, who they waived this summer to sign Rajon Rondo and Contavious Caldwell-Pope to a con- combined $21 million. I was doing... Th- so, I wrote a story on this today, and forgive me for being a little animated, uh, but I wrote a story on this today and after the lakers signed lebron james they had close to 30 million dollars to fill out their bench like that is so much cap space and they spent it on contavious caldwell pope rajon rondo michael beasley and lance stevenson that is remarkable i don't i can't (laughs) we're paid a combined 30 million dollars by the lakers we would better fulfill that contract than the the current Lakers roster. I I mean, I did not want you to continue that sentence because I knew where you were going with that. (laughs) I mean, it's at the time, it was bad, but we could just make an excuse for it. Like, we could still be, like, stupidly optimistic. Right. Like, we would say, oh, you know, maybe they'll get playoff Rondo and – JaVale, you know, for what it's worth, didn't pay, play a ton of minutes in Golden State, which for, you know, about a third of the season was true. You no, know, JaVale turned out to be a pretty good signing, you know, all in all. But, you know, recently, not so much. Um, KCP, kind of a dumpster fire all year. Right. And then you're, you're looking around, Michael Beasley, all the way across the world. <laughs> and they've gone to great lengths to get them both on and off the roster. Right. So, not great, Christian. It's not great. Um, they would better. They would be better off giving me $15 million and giving you $15 million and just having us run three-point line to three-point line. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that. <laughs> and I, I, I don't know about you. I've always described my game as... Like Steve Nash, but without the passing ability and and the beautiful hair. I'm just a straight shooter. That's all I. I uh, dribbling is an issue for me. Like not dissimilar to Contavious Caldwell Pope. Dribbling is a little hard for me, but once I get that ball in my hand, I see the green light. That's all I see is green. Um, so you're like best case scenario, Anthony Brown. Right. Yeah. That's exactly it. Um, Anthony or, Brown. Oh my gosh. Talk about <laughs> dribbling. I, yeah, I think and, one time I tweeted about him, like, potential ball off his leg, like, on any given possession. And then the next possession, he, tr- he pounces the ball right off his foot out of bounds. Oh, man. Yeah. I, I, uh, the same thing happened to me. I, I, cause of that whole, uh, Russell Westbrook and Utah fan incident that happened earlier this week. Uh, I was reflecting on the worst thing I've ever said to any player at a basketball game. And it was during a preseason Lakers game 
Uh, and Jordan Clarkson called for an ISO at the top of the key uh, with the shot clock running down, and he ended up dribbling the ball off of his foot, which is probably the most on-brand Jordan Clarkson story I can think of. But yeah, kicks the dribbles the ball off the foot, uh, ball goes out of bounds, and I yell to him, please dribble less! And that's probably the worst thing I've ever said at a basketball game. Uh, and to his credit, okay. he hasn't listened. Like he's still doing doing his thing. It's always Jordan Clarkson time to Jordan Clarkson. Shooters shoot and dribblers dribble. <laughs> and you know, I'm gonna go out on a limb on this podcast and take a stance. Racism is bad, and there's no place for it in the NBA. Ooh, hot take, I think Grant. that's safely where we stand <laughs> as a podcast. Hopefully, man, from any NBA games because I'm saying right now. But, yeah. Anytime you have the to condemn racism, you should take it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I'm certainly not going to argue you on that or else... This podcast oh will take God. a sharp left turn. <laughs> oh, you mean a you mean a sharp right turn? <laughs> oh man! Um, it okay. So when we look at the shortcomings of this team as a whole this season, because bearing a 15 game winning streak, the Lakers aren't going to make the playoffs. And with the amount of injuries that have piled up on the roster, Lonzo Ball being basically ruled out for this season. The Lakers said, you know, we'll reevaluate him in two weeks. But, I mean, every, all signs point to him not returning this season, including a few quotes from him that we'll get to later in the show. And then, of course, our thoughts go out to Brandon Ingram, uh, who will not suit up for the Lakers again this season uh, because they found blood clots uh, in his upper body, more specifically, I believe it was his right arm. Uh, so not great news and above all things, I mean, that, obviously that's an injury bigger than basketball. Uh, we've seen players like Misra Toledovic, Chris Bosch, uh, you know, medically retired because of like that. Right. Uh, so, uh, our thoughts out to BI playing some of the best basketball of his career. And we, we hope he's, uh, he's back better than ever next season. Uh, the point being though. The Lakers just don't have the talent to make the playoffs. And a 15-game winning streak is a lot to ask for a team as mediocre as this one. Um, so when looking back at you know, the failure of this season, if you will, I think a lot of the blame has been put on you know, Luke Walton, the health of the team. And those things can both still be true. But I think when talking about the team, it always goes back to the way this roster was constructed in the summer. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of the, the classic case of the Lakers making their bed, you know, with their moves this summer and having it play out through the season the way that it has and them having to lay in it. I mean, I think we said it pretty well earlier in the show and, and definitely throughout the season that the Lakers roster has just not been a good fit, you know, with each other, you know, especially surrounding LeBron. You have so many different, and I'm using air quotes right now, playmakers. <laughs> um, not necessarily any shooters outside of, you know, a healthy Josh Hart, uh, 
a KCP who, you know, is hot and cold, but mostly cold, right. and Reggie Bullock for a handful of games. I mean, or Kyle Kuzma as well, but we don't even know if Kyle Kuzma is a good shooter yet. Yeah. Uh, so it's, I don't know, it's, it's such a mixed bag. You don't know, you know, which players you're going to get on a consistent, like, nightly basis. So, yeah, I, I, I'd say that making the playoffs, if you had asked me maybe a month ago or a month or, or two months ago, I would have still said, like, yeah, off the strength of LeBron. But this roster was just too much for the Lakers to overcome. And so, you know, you could talk about Luke Walton mismanaging rotations, but, you know, who is he going to put in that rotation? Right. We've seen recently that Jonathan Williams and uh, Mo Wagner have, you know, played well when they've had extended minutes. So, you kind of scratch your head there when the team has dealt with so many injuries and, and the roster configuration. But, you know, Luke Walton is trying to manage the locker room with, with a lot of personalities. And so as critical as I've been of him in, in that sense and playing the young guys, I still see why he would prioritize these veterans because, you know, they have a lot of weight in the locker room. Despite the one-year deals, I think that, you know, they, I don't know, they kind of throw around. The, and so, you know, Luke Walton was put in a tough position. Um, he still could have done a better job, but, you know, I, I at least I at least know where he's coming from, I guess. Right. And I, I, I to play devil's advocate for a second, I think the logic behind, I mean, oh, well, <laughs> I guess I really can't play devil's advocate because Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka have outright said the reason they didn't sign shooters, but... Um, I mean, when you look at the the stats from last year, you have Kyle Kuzma, Contavious Caldwell Pope, Brandon Ingram, and Josh Hart all shooting the three ball at an above thirty five percent clip, which is good. Uh, but the the thing is, and you know, it, it, if you disagree with me, feel free to chime in. But I don't think you can ever have too many shooters on the roster. Uh, especially on a LeBron James team, I don't get the logic behind signing non-shooters like Lance Stevenson. And to Lance Stevenson's defense, he's been one of the better three-point shooters on the team this season. It's just that he does everything else so bad that it kind of just takes away from any value he has on the court. Um, So I I think that's definitely something that they need to address in the offseason. They try to address it at the trade deadline. Uh, and Reggie Bullock hasn't been all that he's been hyped up, hyped up to be. I'd still love to see him back next season. And last week he had made a comment saying that he'd also like to be back next season. Um, but it feels like the Lakers need to decide whether or not that's going to happen before July 1st. Like the game plan for next season needs to start now because this we've seen this all play out before they go star chasing um they you know they get rebuffed in free agency they nobody takes meetings with them uh and then guys like reggie bullock and javale mcgee end up getting swooped up by other teams because you know they don't feel like they're prioritized uh so i'm really interested to see how next summer plays out uh but they i think depending on how next summer or sorry I keep saying next summer, this summer 
depending on how that goes, I think we'll show how much growth the front office has had internally from, from last summer to this summer. I'll tell you what, I'm not very optimistic. <laughs> it, okay, so before we move on to something else, I want to get your thoughts on something. Who was the worst uh, acquisition the Lakers made, whether in the offseason or in season? Okay, that's a tough question. Um, <laughs> I mean, before you said... And during the season, I would have said, whew, um, geez, I, if there is an all of the above answer, I would take, I guess, just because of the butterfly effect it's had, Michael Beasley? Right. And I was pretty optimistic about his signing compared to other ones. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, at the time, I thought the Rondo signing directly correlated to renouncing Randall's rights, uh, which would, I mean, would put him pretty high as well. Mike Muscala, his, that, that deal was terrible, but... Muscala's a big one for me. Really, yeah. this is the, the, the center point of you know, everything that's gone wrong with the Lakers' moves. <laughs> I'll have to say the Michael Beasley signing, which you know, I thought was unfortunate, and I think... You know, they could have had Lopez and, and Randall and, and still had Beasley for depth. I mean, right. I championship agree. teams or at least playoff contending teams have that depth. And so if you think, okay, he has some value at, you know, small ball five, you don't need to lose other guys to get him in that capacity. I, I think, especially in the amount that they played him, unfortunately, and, and still our hearts go out to Michael Beasley. In losing his mom, I know that's been really Absolutely. tough for him. Yeah, um, you know, especially the amount that they've played Michael Beasley when he's been on the active roster. I mean, it does not at all excuse the the moves that they made correlating with his signing. I mean, it's it's really disappointing. I, I think that especially having to you know swallow the I'm wrong pill, but uh, right. yeah, I, I think it's bees. Rondo's up there for me, uh, for the same reasons as you like, as you mentioned, because really the the way it was reported, the way Randall being renounced was reported, uh, was that they renounced his rights and were signing Rajon Rondo to a $9 million deal, uh, for one year, which is like, you know, why kick somebody while they're down, you know? Lose Julius Randle, and then the, the immediate report after is that we're Within, giving... like, five minutes. Right. And it's, you know, $9 million to Rajon Rondo. I honestly don't know who was giving him that money on the market. I understand you have to kind of overpay to get guys on one-year deals to come to a team that had just won 35 games. Um but yeah, that was a bad signing. Mike Muscala is is the icing on the cake for me, though. I thought that was and again recency bias, as as a lot of things are on this podcast. But that's one of the worst trades the Lakers have made in in recent memory. They traded their starting center, who is twenty one years old and is set to be a restricted free agent this summer, for a guy 
who was flipped to another team just, a, a, I think, not even a day after being traded from the 76ers to the Clippers. Like, if a, if, you, if a team is willing... Stauskist. Right, exactly. If, if a team is willing to give you a player they just acquired, that's not a good sign. That's, a, that's an immediate red, red flag. Um, and the, the, the craziest thing to me about it, aside from the fact that they let Brooke Lopez go in free agency, um, who is, and I mean this in like the most complimentary way possible. He is like a very rich man's Michael Muscala, Brooke Lopez. He, he is a very good basketball player. Uh, and, but the, even aside from that, the Lakers used their lone first round pick on a center that can theoretically space the floor. And like even using current statistics, Mo Wagner shooting the three ball at a higher clip than Mike Muscala is currently. And he was just sitting on their bench. I understand he's a rookie. He he still has some things ironing, like some things to iron out. They're pushing for the playoffs. But Mo Wagner is has provided more valuable minutes than Mike Muscala has in the 74 total minutes he's played for the Lakers. I think it was just it was a complete lack of of internal evaluation of their their own roster of the their yeah. guys on the roster. They they just wanted to turn to other guys as soon as possible. I I stand by Muscala being a desperation move. Zubats is killing it with with the Clippers. I checked today and he had like the fifth highest net rating on the roster. Um I I I just don't get it. That that move will never Dude. make sense to me. And and you know what? You know who else could have filled the Mike Muscala role? Thomas Bryant. Right. I feel like that does not get talked about enough. Like And for what? And for he what? Was to offer as kind of like Go ahead. It, 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 I, I was going to say Thomas Bryant was waived because he had a one point four eight million dollar guaranteed salary. So they they opened less than two million dollars of cap space by waiving Thomas Bryant for who to get Paul George because Paul George is in the Lakers uniform. LeBron James is the only All Star player they got in free agency. Thomas Bryant is. A- with a with a good motor, tries super hard defensively, and can theoretically space the floor. Right there, you know his minutes are going to be more valuable than Mike Muscala's. And Mo Wagner, same scenario. I I love the way Mo Wagner competes. Right. Even if it's not working so much for him, it's not from a lack of effort. And those are the kind of players that you need on the team. That's what translates to winning basketball. I mean, it's 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 not funny, but it's also hilarious how catastrophic uh, <laughs> this this roster has turned out to be. You're not mad. You're actually laughing. I'm actually laughing. <laughs> this is all just funny to me. I, I, I don't know how this roster surrounding LeBron James at, outside of the young core could have gotten worse from July to right now, but it has, and it's significantly worse. It it's I think it's worse than I could have ever imagined. I had the Lakers 
winning 43 games. And I don't see that happening. Like it's it's impressive so how I, bad they've I, been. I said I said preseason they were gonna win about like 48, 49, even 50 games. Yeah. Even if they win every game for the rest of the season, they won't get there. Which is <laughs> that's so sad. Uh thoughts and prayers out to the Lakers, man. Times are tough. <laughs> Times are tough out here. Uh and um the 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 reason they're tough, as we mentioned before. Uh, is because of the injuries. Like the injury bug won't stop coming for the Lakers. C- keeps coming back. Uh, Brandon Ingram being the most recent example. Uh, but Lonzo Ball has not played a game of basketball since January 19th. And he's not expected to play another game of basketball for the Lakers this season. Uh, and so he ends his season, he ends his sophomore season playing 47 games, which is five games less than what he played in his freshman year meaning he's played less than 100 games in his first two seasons in the NBA. Not great, Bob. Not great. Look, I am one of the most foremost Lonzo Ball fans probably in the Lakers community. I'd say you and I are 1A, 1B on this podcast. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) I'm kind of disappointed by how many games he's played over the last couple of years but I mean injuries have been just every player on the Lakers Um, this year I think it's been more apparent than ever the training staff I think is priority number one in the offseason to I'm talking about from a non-roster standpoint obviously to change up Uh, I mean, Lonzo Ball needs some consistency. He needs new routines. I mean, he needs to, uh, yeah, I mean, take this time. He's a great player. I I honestly believe Lonzo Ball is a great player. You put him on any team, he will help that team. But he has to be on the court to do it, and I think that starts with the training staff. And that's that's been a criticism that's really hard to gauge. I know the... The fact that they've they've lost so many players to injuries over the past few years, that's a pretty good indicator, uh, you'd think, of the way the training staff operates. Uh, but Lonzo specifically, I think with this injury, it was really, you, you can throw, it's, it's really easy to throw the injury-prone label on Lonzo Ball. But that ankle injury he suffered against the Rockets was just, you know, him rolling his ankle on another player, you know, for lack of a better description, um, <laughs> that can happen to anybody. And it's unfortunate that it happened to him. Um, he's had issues with that ankle, that same ankle before. I mean, even like a few games before his rookie season that happened. Excuse me. Um, it's uh, It's tough. It's tough. But to your point, I agree he is a good player. I think he's a one of the better point guard defender defenders in the league, which is not nothing because when you look at the point guards, especially in the Western conference, uh, you need somebody that can guard those guys. And Lonzo ball is definitely one of the few guys in the league that can do that on a night to night basis. Um, his playmaking is elite. And I know you, people shouldn't use that word lightly, but I think Lonzo ball is an elite playmaker, uh, not just for his age, but, you know, in the NBA, uh, and he's a decent rebounding guard. 
the the biggest thing to him, and he mentioned it in his his interview with Shams Charania of the Athletic uh, on Wednesday, that the thing with him is just confidence. Like he needs to continue uh, to grow as a leader and as a competitor. And once he once he figure those think figures those things out, once he can attack the rim with confidence, shoot the ball with confidence, um, I think sky's the limit for him. I think yeah, his ceiling as a player. I wouldn't say it's super low if his scoring kind of stayed the same, but I think one, if he's getting to the rim more, he's got to get to the free throw line more. That's really an area where I expect not only him but a lot of guys on the Lakers to improve. But especially, uh, they're still him. young enough to, huh? I oh yes, yeah, but especially, especially him. I mean, he's <laughs> yeah. one of the. He's one of the league's worst free throw shooters, literally. He's, yeah, but, he's literally like I think the worst free throw shooter of anybody that's attempted at least twenty free throws this this year. So, yeah, I, I I think especially in his case, they're young enough to where they're not you know stuck in a certain habit, and they're not too much in their own heads that they can make the necessary adjustments to be at least a formidable free throw shooter. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's got to get to the line. He's got to convert there. And just, you know, finishing strong at the rim. I think he's got a, a great example in front of him and Josh Hart, who, God, I'm praying for Josh Hart every day. I mean, he's playing on, like, one knee, yeah. uh, three fingers on each hand. <laughs> I mean, Josh Hart is basically a walking basketball zombie right now. Uh, but the way Josh Hart finishes at the rim is is really how you want player and strong to the hoop right uh, finishes through contact finishes with both hands so i don't expect lonzo ball to make that jump and, and be as good as josh hart is around the rim and i don't have the numbers in front of me to back it up i mm. could sound so stupid right now <laughs> but you know just off the eye test uh lonzo ball i think at the rim is is especially important for him because of how dependent he is on that three-point shot so at least if he's scoring on two levels, then uh, it, it makes him more multifaceted than one level, I guess. Yeah, and that that's always been the biggest thing to me with Lonzo is, you know, how he gets his points. Because aside from, right, I mean, in in his current iteration, aside from wide open three pointers uh, and setback three pointers, which are are probably the most, uh, I I don't know what other word to use, so I'm going to say sexy. Um, like the sexiest part of his game is his step back three pointers. Like those are nice. They look real nice when they go in. Uh, and then attacking the rim when he has a clear lane to the rim because he's he had a really hard time initiating contact earlier this season. So that's the biggest question mark for me. And to his credit, even like being on crutches for almost the entirety of his first NBA off season, he got swole like night and day from last season. Uh, he got big, packed on some serious muscle. Now the the thing for him is using that fully healthy off se- off season, his first NBA off season, uh, to to iron out the kinks in his game, uh, like attacking the rim and getting a more consistent three point shot. Maybe making more tweaks to his three point shot, uh, so to the point where he can develop a mid range game without, you know dragging the ball all the way across his body um so i'm excited to see that but grant 
what are the chances we don't even get to see the the you know the the next level of Lonzo Ball in a Lakers uniform? I'd say seven. Uh, all right, twenty five, seventy five, twenty five. He's not in a Lakers uniform. Seventy five. He is. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think with Lonzo in in his case. He could go to New Orleans in a potential Anthony Davis trade, which you know I think is super unlikely if, yeah, since it's going to get to the summertime. But uh, he can also go to Phoenix, too. I mean, maybe in a three-team deal with New Orleans or maybe just in a standalone. But you know, I, I think if the Lakers don't have to trade Lonzo Ball, they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a player that I think, I, and I think I've said it before, that he is the Laker that is the most complimentary player to any star player. Um, so, you know, having him on the court with LeBron is great. Having him on the court with Anthony Davis would be great. So, you know, I think, you know, in any case where if you can make a trade and keep Lonzo Ball, you have to do it. But uh, if it calls for it, if if Anthony Davis is about to be a Laker, all you need to do is add Lonzo Ball into the deal, then obviously pull the trigger. But um, yeah, I, I think more likely than not, he's going to stay a Laker. And I think a, a a a big part of the reason I agree with you is the lack of better options on the market. Um, you're not well. One, you're not going to find a 21 year old point guard in free agency for starters. And if you do, the chances are it's because he's not very good. Um, but when you look at the free agent point guards, you look at names like. Kyrie Irving, Goran Dragic, who has a player option that he'll likely opt into. Um, And after those two, Kemba Walker, Kemba Walker would would be another interesting option. But um, although I think Kemba and Lonzo can coexist, I don't know if the Lakers would want to see that. If if Kemba's in a Lakers uniform, it's probably because they pulled off a trade involving Lonzo Ball that allowed them to get another max guy. Um, but, uh, other than those three, the point guard market isn't looking great. You're not going to find a starting caliber point guard in free agency. Uh, and, and again, in the Western conference, that point guard position is super, super important, which is why the Lakers fell from grace as far as they did when Lonzo ball went down and Rajon Rondo, or I, I should say like the ghost of Rajon Rondo, is all they had left on the roster to to spearhead the team. So I think Lonzo Ball is going to be back in a Lakers uniform. What? <laughs> I am so sad that, I mean, I, I made the excuse, and I, I was optimistic that we'd get playoff Rondo, or at least, you know, engaged Rondo. Uh-huh. But we got Sacramento Kings, Dallas Mavericks, Rondo. Yes, sir. And I've been tweeting this. And I don't mean to tweet it into existence, but I I know this team all too well. If you think the Rajon Rondo experience is bad this year, wait until the Derrick Rose experience next season. It's going to be wonderful. People forget yeah. that the Lakers had a three-hour meeting with Derrick Rose just two years ago. Three hours with a washed Derrick Rose. I'm not talking to you anymore. <laughs> and I think that's a good note to probably end the show on. Uh, so thanks everybody for hanging out with us. We always have a lot of fun doing this pod. And if you also have fun listening to this pod and consuming it with your ears, leave us a review on iTunes. 
uh, preferably five stars and um, say a few nice words to us as well while you're there. Uh, until next time, I am Christian Rivas uh, and he is Grant Goldberg for now. And we'll see you all next time.